Welcome to Leading Lights. You're about to hear a message from Lighthouse Church. Father, thank you for today's word. Thank you because your word is alive. Thank you because your word is true. Thank you that you sent your word to do what you have sent it to do. Thank you, Lord, that your word is everlasting. Thank you, Lord, that you have sent it today so that we can respond to it, that we can do it in the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen. So if you, can, if you still remember what series we are on, what series are we doing? DNA, yes. So today we, we like I said, like I promised last week, we, we are going to look at um, passionate worshipers. Can we say passionate worshipers? Now, sometimes when you just introduce a topic, there are so, quest- there are so many questions that run in the back of our minds, right? Without being asked or without being um, um, involved in so much into detail, you have questions like, what is it? Uh, how do we do it? Um, when do we do it? Um, and, 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 and so forth. So there are so many questions that just... So by the grace of God, with the time that we have, um, I'm hoping that we'll be able to, to cover some of the things that we want to cover today. Praise the Lord. So sometimes what is better to understand is we are the children of God. And you have to understand your position in Christ Jesus to grasp some of the New Testament realities, to grasp your positional truth and your identity in Christ. Right? Because not everything in the Bible is taken just like that. It's just like me the other day um, that I took a scripture. When I was in very young, I've said this before, that I just took a page and noted that they were giving sacrifices. Right? With that, just that piece, I, I, I ran and tried to sacrifice a frog. Right? Just because I, didn't, I did not know that there was something better. Right? So that's why we have to view this in the lens of the New Testament. Praise the Lord. So let's, let's, let's read our first, first scripture. Our first scripture is Revelation chapter 1, verse number 6. Here he said, He loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood and made us kings and priests to God and his father to him be glory and dominion forever now when you read some things in the scriptures or if not all things in the scripture you have to understand where you are in the point of time which dispensation are you in the question is is it something that is a promise or it's already done 
Is it a statement of fact? It's already a done deal. He said he loved us. He's not going to. He has already done it. He loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. And listen to this very carefully because it's quite connected to what we are talking about today. And it says he has made us kings and priests. He has made us. <laughs> what it means is we have been called to a fellowship. The greatest call that you have is the call to fellowship with God. And what goes hand in hand with that is the priestly ministry that we have. I will show you in a moment. Now, go back with me to, to the book of Hebrews, chapter 10, from verse 4 to 5. You will see how the writer of Hebrews sees the Old Testament and how it connects to the new where you are. And how it's, it's connected to the priestly ministry that you have in the New Testament. Now, in Hebrews chapter 4, chapter 10, verse 4 to 5, it says, For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats should take away the sins. Wherefore, when he came into the world, he said, Sacrifice and offering you would not but a body you have prepared me. You see, God demanded out of the children of Israel sacrifices. If you go and read Exodus chapter 29, you understand how God commanded them to have one sacrifice, a sin offering. Then second, the burnt offerings and three incense. Right now, but all these things did not please God, so God needed a perfect sacrifice. And guess who the perfect sacrifice was? You're right, Jesus Christ became the perfect sacrifice for our sins. So, in the New Testament, we no longer need to sacrifice animals. We no longer need to do burnt offerings. But listen, listen to Hebrews 10 verse 14. He says, for by one offering he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. For one offering, for by one offering he has perfected. For by one offering he has perfected. Is, it, is he going to perfect? He says he has perfected. It's an offering that was already made by Jesus Christ. He says, for by one offering he has perfected forever. You do not need to be perfected again. He says he has perfected forever them that are being sanctified. Listen, Jesus was not only that he was a perfect sacrifice, but also he perfected us. Now, I've just explained that there were offerings that were demanded out of the people and how in the New Testament we no longer need to offer animals. But what do we need to offer? Listen to what David says. So David was an Old Testament prophet. He was a king. 
The Bible says, God says, he was a man after my own heart. And he had to see as a prophet and see the time that our dispensation, after Jesus was, 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 was crucified, after Jesus was buried and died and rose from the dead. And this is what he says. Listen, David was living in the OT. And in Psalms 141 verse 2, he says this. He says, let my prayer be set forth before you as incense. And the lifting of my hands, the lifting of my hands as what? As an evening sacrifice. Listen, in the New Testament, we as the priests, we do not offer animals anymore. Ah, what do we offer? What do we offer? Our prayers of worship, they are incense. They have taken a place of the incense. God was not pleased in sacrifices. Jesus became the sin offering. Our prayers of worship, they are incense. And guess what? Our lifting of hands. When you see us lifting our hands to the Lord and worship, that is like the evening sacrifice in the altar. So, worship is not so look I've, I've just said what it is not and don't be offended if you are thinking that it is what i'm about to say right some of the things that i'm going to mention are some of the things that are elements expressions or characteristics of worship so worship is not a slow song right so when you worship god you are not doing it by a slow song. In other words, the slow song itself is not worship. Giving a big paycheck or donating to charity or giving in itself is not worship. Like I said, there may be expressions of worship, but in themselves they are not we serve in ministries. It could be children's ministry. It could be in worship. It could be in, 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 um, in setting up and any other ministry. Itself is not worship. But it can be an expression of worship. So it's possible that you can go to church and not worship. It's possible that you can do all sorts of things and not worship. So someone then is asking, so what then is worship? There are lots of definitions out there about worship. All right? But in the New Testament, worship has been translated from a Greek word called proskuneo. Proskuneo. I can spell that for you. So it's P-R-O-S-K-U-N-E-O, -E which means to fall down before or to bow down before. Which means worship is the state of the spirit of the spirit. It's it's an attitude, it's not the outward expression itself, because it's an inward thing that can manifest sometimes outside.
Alright? So, the Webster Dictionary says, Worship is to honor with extravagant love and extreme adoration. And others say, Worship is anything that you do that declares the worth of the Lord. Worship is anything that you do that declares the worth of the Lord and it deepens your relationship with Jesus and causes others to do the same. But I like this definition that worship is recognizing, it is, it is appreciating the goodness of God, the blessings of God, the kindness of God, the righteousness of God and His character. When you say, Lord, you are faithful. When you say, Lord, you are just. When you say, God, you are holy. When you say, God, you are immortal. You are declaring his character in your life. You are making mention of God, of who God is in your life. And God is pleased by that. Because you, you are not saying anything that he is not. You are making mention. You are actually distincting him from everything else in your life. You are distincting him from everything that you own or that you have. You are saying, Lord, you are invisible. Ah. It's not a lie. Because you are basically saying the words. Because it's the revelation of his word that you are basically saying with your mouth, with your words. You are acknowledging who God is in your life. And that's part of our lives. Worshipping God. So, we worship God for no other reason than that God is God. <laughs> huh? We worship him because he is God. Is that a good reason? Because we take this from the reality. It flows from the reality that God loved us first. He's the one who loved us. We did not love God. Scriptures declare and they have shown us that we did not first love him. It's out of that revelation that we, we, we worship him. I'll read 1 John 4, verse, verse 9 to 10. Listen to what it says. It says, in this the love of God was manifested. Listen, this is not a future tense. This is not something that is not going to happen. This is something that has already happened. It says, in this the love of God was manifested towards us. That God has sent in the past. He has sent his son into the world that we might live through him. Ah. When that revelation hits you, you worship him. When that hits you, when that hits you, listen, God does not need anything. He is self-existing. He does not need anyone to exist. And that God loved you. Ah. That God loved me. And he says, he loved us. In this it was manifested. You know, the manifestation of the love of God is that he gave his son so that we may live. 
And then he actually specifies is in this is love. Not that we loved God. Listen, we did not love him. He says, not that we loved God, but that he loved us. And when he did, he sent his son as a propitiation. Oh, as a propitiation for our sins. He enabled the forgiveness of sins through Christ Jesus when he sent him. That's a reason enough to worship God. We worship God because, look, it's not because of his miraculous power or the things that he has or that he can do. You see, that is a shallow revelation, you see. We cannot just worship God for the things that he do. It's not about the wealthy of God. It's about the worthiness of God. How is God worthy to you? In that revelation, you can worship him. You see, the thing is, when you worship God, one of the things is that when you worship God, sometimes you feel enraptured. You feel caught up in the spirit. You see, in that moment, God reveals himself. It's, that's the reason why we need to worship. Because in worship, God reveals himself. Not only does he reveal himself, look, he reveals your future. There are instances when you are in worship that he reveals your destiny. There are times in worship that when you worship, he reveals your life. Your life flashes before you. Why can't we worship God? Why can't we worship God? We have to. We have to. Number one, just because he is God. We have to. He loved us. And he reveals himself. That's a reason enough to worship him. Let, let's, read, let's read what Jesus says in terms of worship. Jesus comes into picture in John chapter number 4, verse number 23 to 24. He meets the woman of Samaria. And this is what he says to the woman. He says, woman, the hour. <laughs> Listen, he says he is coming. And now is when the true worshippers, true worshippers, everyone say true worshippers. Which means they can be fake worshippers. Listen, he says they are true worshippers. True worshippers. Ah, I love that. He says those ones, they worship the Father. Say they worship who? The, not money. He says they worship the Father. And they worship him in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship him. And he, he, he strikes a fundamental statement. Which the statement, the same statement, the chapter before, in, in John chapter 3, Jesus had said to Nicodemus, he said, God is a spirit. <laughs> and he says to this woman, God is spirit. And those that worship him must worship him in spirit and in. Those are true worshipers. The hour is coming and now is. When those that worship him, they shall worship him in spirit and in truth. Now, that's why I said 
Worshipping is an internal thing. We worship from inside out, not outside in. It's an, it's an attitude. It's the heart thing. You see? You can only be able to worship God in spirit and in truth when you are born again. You must be born again for you to actually worship God. You have to, to awaken to the fatherhood of God for you to worship God in spirit and in truth. And number two, you must be filled with the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit knows all things. He reveals the Father to you. Thanks for listening. Please visit leadinglightsnetwork.com for more resources and subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Please consider supporting this ministry by making a donation on the giving page at leadinglightsnetwork.com or lighthousejersey.com.